Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay. Jury. Daily. Daily. Dot com. Nailed it. Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young. Uh, Oh, man. All right. So there is a interview that has haunted me lately. Uh, I believe I mentioned it here, but I'll say it again. I'll summarize it. Uh, Trevor Noah was talking about how while he was working on The Daily Show, he was still going and doing uh, New York City comedy dates initially. And then as soon as they were done recording on Thursday, he would fly out to some other city and then do a out-of-town club Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday, do The Daily Show Monday through Thursday. He wanted to continue to be a stand-up comedian. He wanted to continue to be out there. He wanted to maximize his earning potential because now all of a sudden, before he was a stand-up comedian and he was at whatever trajectory he was going to be at as a stand-up, but now he's the host of The Daily Show. He can command a bigger fee. He was trying to strike while the iron was hot. And he ran into Chris Rock. And Chris Rock asked him, Hey, what are you up to now that you're doing The Daily Show? And he explained his schedule. And Chris Rock said, you are about to be the best shit comedian of all time. (laughs) All your jokes are going to be about airports. All your jokes are going to be about things that nobody can relate to because nobody's living your life. You have to live. And so that's basically the story of why he decided to stop doing clubs and focus more on The Daily Show. He'll do the odd weekend here or there, if the money's right. But by and large, he wants to give himself time to experience the world so he can synthesize it. So I had this realization a couple weeks ago that I wanted to start thinking of myself as a network. If I were a network doing all the different things that I do, what kind, and let's say I had a staff, What kind of work would I be giving to them? What would I be expecting of myself? How would Justin Manager be managing Justin Talent? And how would Justin Staff be the middle person between them? And so one of the things that I decided was, and this was also just trying to figure out exactly where I was going to go with the YouTube and the Twitch and everything, was that I wanted just more accessible video content, be it for the Instagram, the Facebook, the YouTube, the Twitter, all that shit, right? So with that being said, I've turned up my output. You guys might've noticed on all those platforms, they're now a lot busier. I'm doing stuff that actually looks like people have put 
effort into it as opposed to just kind of uh, taking my live content and repurposing it on YouTube, which I think I, I just we've done that for a couple of years. I saw what that was going to do, and I just wanted to try something different. And so that's why I'm now recording these things off stream. Basically, it's all part of kind of one major push. And by and large, I've been very happy with it. In fact, I'm putting up a, a video now that I just spent most of the day putting together that is a repurposing of the podcast material. But I feel like it 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 will give off a native video sense on Facebook and YouTube. Which is cool. I like it. I, I, I like doing that kind of stuff. I feel like I am creating more. I am engaging more. That makes me happy. But it also makes me the best shit podcaster on the planet. <laughs> because like Trevor Noah, now all I have to talk to you about during this, the podcast wherein I am giving you the, 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 the unfettered access to my mind where, where I am telling you the stories that, that I am I'm thinking about, that I'm going through, this is all I have. <laughs> like my, The big thing that I'm doing right now is learning Adobe Premiere Rush. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's the big thing I have to say, is that today I learned keyboard shortcuts for zooming in and zooming out of a timeline. This has been very helpful to me. It would have made all the other videos that I did uh, uh, very, 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 uh, you know, it would have gone a lot faster. So, with that said, I don't really have much else to say. Except that I really hope you guys enjoy some of the other stuff that I'm putting out there. And I do think that this show has gotten better. Although not this one specifically. In general, the jury shows have gotten better. I've enjoyed doing them, and I've found uh, that when I do this A block, I tend to have a more fertile mind to go off on whatever direction. This episode was not one of them. However, I'm glad that you listened to it. Yeah. Gonna do the two step, then cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the whole down. It is with all attendant reverence and a heartfelt apology for gimmick infringement to Dave Chappelle that I now bring you this edition of... You're watching When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. <laughs> this is an AP report from Iowa City, Iowa. The director of Iowa's social services agency was a huge fan of the late rapper Tupac Shakur, and he frequently let his subordinates know it. Emails obtained by the Associated Press show that the Iowa Department of Human Services Director Jerry Foxhoven routinely sent messages and employees lauding, sorry, sent messages to employees lauding Shakur's music and lyrics even after at least one of those employees complained to lawmakers. Then last month, he sent another such email to all 4,300 agency employees and he was abruptly ousted from his job the next work day. 
Foxhoven66 told employees that he had been a huge fan of the hip-hop artist for years. He hosted weekly Tupac Fridays to play music in the office, traded lyrics with employees, and marked his own 65th birthday with Shakur-themed cookies, including ones decorated with the words Thug Life. The agency released 350 pages of emails with the words Tupac or Tupac number two. PAC sent to and from Foxhaven during his two-year tenure in response to an AP request. I mean, 350 pages. That's always something that like is a it has the potential to be very misleading because you never really know how much of an email. Like, imagine if you just all right, experiment. If you're by a printer, literally just go ahead and type your the 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 first letter of your first boyfriend or girlfriend's name into your email search client right then go 10 emails down so this is a random email feels like a magic trick go to random email and then just hit print now some of y'all it might be one page because it's just one page's worth of email but for some of you guys especially if you're if it's like a work thing or you're dealing with something that's on the long chain, it might be 50 pages because you don't really think about how many pages an email is. So if this dude's like 350 pages of work emails, man, that could be three emails, in my opinion. <laughs> There's no telling how many actual emails were sent with that dude referencing Tupac. But apparently he got fired for talking about it so much. So I don't know. Uh, maybe it was it was, you know, no, a persistently large amount of Tupac. We continue with the AP story. They show that Foxhaven marked the anniversary of Shakur's death, shared one of his lyrics about love on Valentine's Day, and used the rapper's image to try to improve the agency's culture. He told colleagues he was inspired by lyrics that included, uh, it's time for us as a people to start making changes. Some employees praised him for using Shakur to inject level, uh, le levity and inspiration into a stressful workplace. At least one complained to lawmakers about it last year, according to emails provided under the open records law. When Governor Kim Reynolds told Foxhoven to resign on June 7th, the governor got involved? The governor got involved? Jesus. It was his first workday after... Uh, uh, he sent an agency-wide email telling employees to mark Shakur's birthday over the weekend by listening to one of his songs. That dude was 65. That is an everlasting love of Tupac's music. Because I was a teenager when Tupac got shot, right, when he was at his, at his hottest. I remember asking for the Machiavelli album as a gift i had to go to one of the cool uncles for that one but i got machiavelli run quick see what do we have here now but this dude i mean if i'm 36 that dude was in his 30s that dude was in his late 20s and he's like god god damn you know who's fucking awesome tupac tupac's the best all his friends are like getting houses and shit and he's like man I just love this Tupac guy. He's in his, he's my age and Tupac gets shot. And he's like, fuck, man, I got to memorialize this dude. I'm, I'm doing, no matter where I go, no matter where my career takes me, I will make sure 
that Tupac is here. Poxhoven said in a text message that he believes Reynolds had made a decision to go in a different direction before he sent the June 14th email. He wasn't given a reason for the resignation request, but he doubted Shakur was a factor. The email included what Foxhoven called an inspirational quote from the artist, quote, pay no mind to those who talk behind your back. It simply means that you're two steps ahead. Foxhoven noted that in addition to Shakur's birthday, he was celebrating his two-year anniversary as director, and he thanked the staff for their work. Several employees reacted positively with notes to Foxhoven, but one noted that the view wasn't universally shared. I love your Tupac messages, said the response. The fact that you still send them, despite the haters, makes me appreciate them even more, said employee Lisa Bender. Lisa's down. I agree totally. I'm going to hang in there on him. Despite all the naysayers, Fox Hoven responded. And ladies and gentlemen, a sparkling example of when keeping it real goes wrong. Yeah. Gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin a whip. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now and email. You can always email the show, jurydaily at gmail.com. Again, jurydaily at gmail.com. Ken wrote in about TikTok. Ken writes, I tried TikTok and I'm not getting it. All I'm seeing is teens telling teen stories and they're not good teen stories like my Degrassi, just boring shit. And I keep watching thinking, boy, this story is so boring. The punchline at the end must be amazing. Only there's no punchline. Just the end of a boring story. Now I learn that there's an algorithm that recommends based on what I watch. So there's some algorithm out there thinking I'm a degenerate who's into teenage stories about how the manager doesn't care if there's a guy stealing all the pepper at work. I love me some Vine. There was always They were always showing me funny shit. Okay, I'll give it another shot. Watch a few more hours of this kid talking about how his principal drives a creepy-ass van. But if TikTok doesn't start showing me better videos by the end of the week, dot, dot, dot. Number one, Ken... I'm not fucking TikTok's attorney. So so rise off with me with this pressure. Number two, I mean, you're going to get to it. Like there's uh, these there's like the meme where the kids are throwing like, oh, well, let's make a, a, a girl named Emily. And it's like, you know, they're pouring water on a paper that says Emily. It's I mean, again, it's dumb. I'm saying I was fascinated by it. And it's very obviously the logical extension of Vine. Now, you might think it's a shittier version of Vine, but that doesn't mean that it's not the evolution of it because these teens love these teen stories. Imagine if there was an entire social network of just Canadians over 30 talking about how they like podcasts. You'd be like, shit, I can get so much out of this. Ben writes, this is an important email. I need to know if I'm officially an old man. This weekend, I went to see Blink-182 play at the 20,000-person outdoor arena in Bangor, Maine. We had pit tickets since I love to be up front and see my favorite drummer, Travis Barker. This year, they decided to choose a new opener, Lil Wayne. Usually, they stick with openers from the pop punk and punk genres, but this year, it was rap. Lil Wayne brought in a different crowd from the normal crowds that Blink-182 normally brings. Part of his show was actively encouraging fans to smoke weed during the show. Now, 
I know your love of high thoughts, and I really don't care if people smoke when it doesn't impact me. My wife and I have chosen not to for a variety of reasons, including that both of us are drug tested at our jobs, and it's not worth losing a job over. Fast forward to the show, and we are basically in a cloud of smoke getting a contact high. This took away from our overall experience, and once Blink-182 took the stage, the pot smoke mostly subsided to the normal concert levels uh, since many of the Lil Wayne fans had left. So what do you think? Am I just a grumpy old man? Are my expectations of the concert unrealistic? Should I just sit at home and watch late night TV and complain about the youths and tell back in my day stories? By the way, if it helps, I'm 30. Ben, you're old. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, yes, you are old. This is an old person thing to bitch about. Uh, people smoking weed at concerts is, and I don't mean that it's it's an unvalid thing to bitch about. I'm saying that it's an old man. It's something that you would hear out of an old man. It's the same shit. It's like when I fucked up my back and I'm bitching about my back. People are like, oh, it's some old man shit. And I wanted to be like, fuck you. This is my life. But also it is something that like if you were writing a character that was an old man, who would probably bitch about his back and how people are smoking weed at concerts now. That being said, I'm guessing you haven't gone to a lot of rap concerts. Rap concerts, jam band concerts. There's a certain element of concert in which weed smoking is almost part of the experience you know it's an outdoor concert at the very least so they didn't hotbox the entire fucking arena like very often happens that being said uh uh you almost missed out on this by the way because i remember reading a story a couple days ago that little wayne had ditched the tour so i guess he came to his senses and decided to stay on it and get some money because he was very upset he was upset that you were coming to the concert by the way he apparently cut one of his sets short to like 20 minutes because he was like, man, Little Wayne fans aren't here. These are blink two fans. And then just fucking deuces. So I would say to you, yeah, you're being a little bit of an old, a little bit of an old man. That's what's happening. But that being said, you know, just avoid rap acts. And if you're going to go see a show, then... Like, uh, understand that maybe maybe you skip the little way in part if you're that sensitive to weed smoke, at the very least. I know plenty of people are sensitive to weed smoke. That's fine. But just understand that if you are going deep into the pit for a Lil Wayne set, you're encroaching on their territory. <laughs> like, that is a weed smoker's domain. You might as well be walking into their living room and as they exhale a roar bong hit saying, Oh, God, do you know that I'm drug tested? All right. That about wraps it up for us today. I want to thank our producers, the Jen, Petey, Rave, Non-Specific, Rock and Roll, Martian, Well, James, the OG Brito, Well, Chris, and Steven. We got a new one. Steven. You can always follow me, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Justin R. Young. You can join our Discord at bit.ly slash jury discord. I want to thank Yabs for throwing in that Tupac story. You are appreciated. Till next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, please give a round of applause to Mr. Wacky. And until next time, please don't.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Come with me.